So this morning I said that I would talk about how to hear Jesus' voice. So open your Bibles, please, to John chapter 10, verse 1. And I will say this, that as I'm looking at this audience, I'm humbled that I could even begin to talk about this because there are people in this church who have walked with the Lord for decades listening to Jesus' voice, pastors' wives, pastors, people serving in the church for years, and I'm thinking, and I'm going to tell you anything new? Uh, I'm just trying to share with you what I've learned, and maybe that can be added and to add so much information that you already know already, but it's imperative that each one of you knows how to hear and recognize his voice. So together we can open that door. So in John chapter 10, this is the first thing we must do to hear Jesus' voice is to make sure that you're one of his sheep. That's the very first thing. In John 10, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, a man who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. A man who enters the gate is the shepherd of his sheep. The watchman opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. Do you know his voice? Do you? But they will never follow a stranger in fact, they'll run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. How we need to test the spirits. And we do that by listening to our shepherd's voice and understanding it. And Jesus said in John 10, 27, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. So if you're going to follow Jesus, you've got to know the shepherd to know his voice. And Jesus goes on to say in the next verse in John 10, 28, I give them eternal life, and they shall never, ever perish. It's a double negative in the Greek language here. Impossible to perish. No one can snatch them out of my hand, not even yourself. He's got you in his grip, and the Father has his hand on you as well. So the question this morning as we go any further, make sure, are you one of Jesus' sheep? Yes, then keep on listening to Jesus and keep on following him. Follow him. Stay close to him. If you're not sure that you're one of his sheep, he wants you to be his sheep. In fact, in John 10, 6, he says, I have other sheep that are not of this fold, the sheep pen, speaking of the Jewish believers. And they too, speaking of you, will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. Right now, he's knocking on the heart's door of unbelievers. Lydia opened her heart, and Jesus came in, and she was born again, this Jewish believer. And Jesus promises you the free gift of eternal life because he loves you, because the Father loves you. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave this gift 
that whosoever places their faith, believes in him, shall never perish, but have eternal life. It requires a response of faith to his initiative of coming for you, of speaking to you, his speaking voice, his, the voice of nature. You know, we see the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. And day after day, they pour forth speech. And night after night, they display knowledge. And I know people that love to be outdoors say, this is, this is God's temple right here. Don't worship the temple. Worship the one who made it. And he calls you to be a part of this church. That's the natural voice. And then his Holy Spirit. But we go on. The promise to you who need to know Jesus as your sheep, yet to all who received him, to those who believe in his name, he gave the right to become the children of God. He will adopt you into your, his forever family, and he will never disown you. He will never kick you out of the family. You belong to his fold, and he calls you by name, but you need to follow him. This is not about salvation. This is about now taking the next step. The first thing we need to do to hear Jesus' voice is to know and make sure that we are one of his sheep. And if you're listening today online, if you're here in this audience and you may be a very old person and you've never settled that, now's the time to settle that issue. When you go to heaven, someone said, I think it's evangelism explosion, and you knock on the door and God says, why should I let you into my eternal kingdom? What answer would you give? Well, I've been a good person. Eh. I, I've tried hard. Eh. I go to this church. Eh. The only answer that's, that is acceptable is I am here because Jesus saved me and he died in my, uh, my place on the cross and I place my faith in that effective substitutionary blood atonement for me. Come on in. That's the first thing to hear Jesus' voice is to know him as your shepherd. And the second thing we must do is to hear his voice, is to know his written word, the Bible. There's so many voices distracting us, aren't there? Cell phones, television, commercials, whatever, people talking to you, family, voices pulling at you, buy this, do this, whatever. But down deep inside, we have our personalities and we receive information differently. Uh, we Sometimes we're tired and can't hear well or all those things. But how do we hear God's written word? Read it. Study it. Memorize it. Meditate on it. Is that news to you? I hope not. But I want to just share with you, as I said earlier, that I'm trying to tell you how to hear God's voice as a, as a believer. I'm, I'm preaching right now to saints that have walked with the Lord since 50s, who've, who've served on mission fields. And they could tell you. But here's, here's how I try to, to know the written word. I read it. I read through the Bible each year. How many times I read through the Bible? I don't know. I do know that after having read the Bible through in 2014, I realized that I was just doing this. You know, I got, I got three chapters down, that's it. And what, I don't remember what I read. So in 2015, I started reading the Bible out loud to slow me down, to hear that. And then I, as I read the verses out loud, God brings to me other verses that go with that. And so I can show you my, my Bible that I have that I write those 
verses in it, my own insights into God's Word. Read your Bibles. Charles Spurgeon, the great pastor of the 19th century, said that the Bible sheds great light on the commentaries. Put the commentaries down. First-hand exposure to the Bible. Read it first. Please. So I memorize and meditate on scriptures. For example, it wasn't my intention to memorize Psalm 5, but when COVID-19 hit and the world is in such deep trouble all around the world, and I'm grieved, I began to read Psalm 5 over and over and over again out loud until one day I said, I think I've got this memorized. Psalm 5 for the director of music for flutes. And so you can imagine as the song is being sung, there's a flute playing in the background. Did somebody write that music? Give ear to my words, O Lord. Consider my sighing. And the flute plays. Listen to my cry for help, my King and my God, for to you I pray. Morning by morning, O Lord, you hear my voice. Morning by morning, I lay my request before you and wait in expectation. I'm listening, Lord. You're not a God who takes pleasure in evil. With you, the wicked cannot dwell. The arrogant cannot stand in your presence. You hate all who do wrong. You destroy those who tell lies. Wicked and bloodthirsty men, the Lord of hers. But I, by your great mercy, will come into your presence, by your great mercy, Lord. In reverence will I bow down toward your holy temple. Guide me, O Lord, in your righteousness. Because of my enemies, make straight your way before me. And the psalm goes on to talk about what's going on in the world today, all the lying and deceit that's going on. And then there's a prayer that, Lord, surround them those who believe you, who trust in your name, who love your name, with your favor as with a shield. See, that's how the Lord speaks to me. You, you hide God's word in your heart, and in the middle of the night when I wake up, those scriptures come to mind, and it's God's voice. I know it's his word. He's speaking to me. And early on, I, I, the first time I started to memorize scripture, my chapters was when I was a Christian ed director. That's what Chris Finn was at your church. And my job is basically to recruit people, train them, get them in ministry, make sure they're there, and support them. Hundreds of people. But as a Christian ed director, I'm supposed to teach the Bible. I didn't know what to teach, so I memorized Titus 2. What to teach the old men, the young men, the old women, the young women to teach to be taught by the old. And memorize that as I walked to work. We only had one car and so I walked to work and I meditated on that. And at other times in my walks, I've memorized chapters of scriptures and so forth. But I memorized the Beatitudes. And so at Hag Lake, catching trout, one early morning in May, I prayed for my grandkids and my kids. Lord, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. May our kids be so poor in spirit that they're, they want your riches. For there's, and so I prayed through that for the kids, not bragging. Please, I'm not bragging. I'm just saying, this is how I hear God's voice. That came to me as I watched the sun rise over Hag Lake. Now you know where I'm fishing. Anyway, <laughs> that's when you commune with the Lord. 
right? People, I know you, many of you do that. You see, the sword of the Spirit is what? It's the Word of God. And the Word of God is like it says in Hebrews 4.12, it's living and active. Right now, it's alive and it's acting in our lives. It's sharper than any double-edged sword, razor sharp. It will kill. Now, that's another story. It penetrates even to the dividing of soul and spirit and joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and heart, attitudes of the heart. It cuts into my heart and shows my motives. Mike, that's pride. Take that one down. Mike, that's wrong. Don't do this. Uh, God speaks to me through his word, and he does to you as well, doesn't he? If you're listening, read his word. God's word unlocks my heart. It breaks up the fallow ground of my hardened soil so that I receive the seed in good soil. It's like the morning dew that softens me, hopefully. The Bible is what I would call like WD-40. Guys, you know what WD-40 is? I'm not a mechanic, but I've broken many wrenches and many knuckles trying to open or open, unscrew a, a bolt on a nut that's rusty. Till finally said, take WD-40, spray it on there, and wait a day. And so I can go there and it opens. WD-40 of the soul is the Bible. We need to soak ourselves in God's holy word. We need to marinate on those rusty parts of our lives that we're stuck in. And the Holy Spirit will point that out and do that. So saturate your minds with that. Re be renewed with the transforming of your mind that you might know and approve what God's pleasing, acceptable, perfect will is. He guides us. Another thing, have a daily quiet time time alone with the Lord, at least for 30 minutes, set an appointment with God. People say, can you come to this meeting at four in the morning? No, I have an appointment. Who with? God. I'm praying. I'm studying the Bible, right? I can't make it at that point because I have a prior commitment, and it's meeting with God in the mornings. Morning by morning, be still and listen. Be still and listen. I like what J.I. Packer said in his book, uh, Your Father Loves You. God guides our mind as we think things out in his presence. So you come before the Lord. And the first thing you do, you want to talk, 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 talk. Tell him everything that's going on. And he's a good father. He'll listen. But if you talk it out, all your things out, then you sit and you lay your request before the Lord and you wait in expectation. And then you listen to him. And as you bring that problem to him, you work things out in his very presence. Jesus, you're here this morning. Two or three or more are here. Your spirit is here. Work things out in our lives as a church in your presence. Jesus calls us to the shepherd-sheep relationship with him so that we, are, we can be so close and intimate with him that we recognize his name. Imagine this, Judy calls me one day, and I say, who is this? Do you think that's going to work after how many years have I known you, since 62? I can tell when she even speaks that it's her voice, because I know her. And God wants you to recognize God's voice like that immediately, because you are so close to him. You have a relationship with him, a dialogue with him, because you've spent time and quantity and quality prayer listening to the Lord to recognize his voice. And then you follow him. 
as his sheep. His commands are not suggestions. There are things to say, Lord, help me do this. I, I want to. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But please, Lord, he says, this is what I want you to do. Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. How many fish have you caught lately, friends? How many gospels have you shared with people over the years? Why is the baptismal dry? Because the big fisherman didn't catch the fish? You are the fisherman. The first thing we must do to hear Jesus' voice is to make sure we're one of his sheep. The second thing we must do is to hear, to know his written word. And the third thing we must do to hear Jesus' voice is to welcome his spirit. Welcome, Holy Spirit. You're welcome here. I love that song you sang, Chris, you led us in today about the Holy Spirit. You know, blow through the caverns of my dark places. That's, that's what this is about, to welcome him into our lives. And as, we've, as Pastor Dave taught Revelation to the churches, you know what, how that's about. It says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Seven times. Listen up. Hear what I'm saying. What the Holy Spirit is saying. That's, to me, so central that I could not help but share it with you. As I search the Scriptures, I find that Jesus' voice is His Spirit, Jesus' own words, when He says in John 16, 13, but when He comes, the Spirit of truth, He will guide you into all truth, and He will speak on His own. He will speak only what He hears. He will tell you what is yet to come. Do you believe that? So this morning, before we came to church, Judy and I pulled out the computer to look at our daily bread, and you can get it on, in paper or read it online. And you know what the study was today on daily bread? This verse I just read to you. And I said, Judy, do you think that's a coincidence or God speaking to me that this is the right thing to talk about? If you don't have a daily bread, read that. It's a great section. But that's, that's how we hear his voice, by his spirit. So many voices. But we need to hear the Holy Spirit speak that still, small voice to, to prompt us, to nudge us. And Judy's great at this. Sometimes I say, no, you're not going to do that. Don't go across the street and talk to that stranger. And she does, and our neighbors, to share, just to love them. Are you going to give that to them? The Spirit told me to do it. Okay. She's so much better at this. Here's what the Spirit says about himself. There are only four commandments in the Bible that talk about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. Four commandments that we must know. I encourage you to read them. They're in your printed notes. They're online. And, and these commandments, memorize them. Pray, Lord, help me do this. And the first command is to, to adjust ourselves to the Spirit of God is do not get drunk with wine. Well, yes, you don't need to be inebriated, need to be sober, which leads to debauchery, and indeed it does. Instead, instead of trying to kill your pain or run away from your problems or to ignore God, instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. Just like alcohol Changes what, how you see, how you talk, you know, how you walk. Everything about you, it, it releases inhibitions in your life. The Holy Spirit does it in a positive way. Causes you to speak His name. Causes you to see with Jesus' eyes. The Holy Spirit will permeate all those caverns. Your intellect, your emotions, 
and your will. Because he is a person himself. He's not some gas out there. He is the spirit of Jesus Christ. He's a real person, the third person of the Trinity. But the word be filled has always intrigued me. Like, fill yourself up with the Holy Spirit. No, it doesn't say that. It says, be filled. Receive the Holy Spirit. Open the door and let him come into your life. And that's what I say. It's, it's, when you open the door, the spilling is done like a, like a refreshing Sweet breeze, the aroma of Christ comes sweeping into your life, into that negative thought, and breathes freshness into your life. Let the Holy Spirit change you to smell like Jesus, the aroma of Christ. Now, many of you already know about this book, My Heart, Christ Home, right? If you don't, please buy it. Go online and get it. This is written in 1954. I've been reading it since 1962. And Robert Munger gave us a great illustration that when Jesus comes in, he knocks on the front door, you come in, and then you, he looks in your living room, and you're kind of, well, I wouldn't want him to see that in my living room. Or he goes into your rec room, and I don't display that. He goes into your, into your thought life and says, mm, and he says, those pictures down out of your mind. Those are wicked thoughts. And he goes into every part of your room and he redecorates your life if you let him. And then the story goes on that there's this closet that when Jesus comes in, he says, something stinks in that closet and it's locked. There's something dead in there. And that's your deepest fears, your greatest worries, or whatever it is that you've done wrong. Skeletons in the closet. And the story goes on that Jesus says, let me clean it out. You say, you can't? I can. I can clean out that closet for you. Give me the key to the closet. And he comes into that dank, smelly, stinking, rotten mess that only you and God know about. And by his spirit, he will sanctify you. He will clean that out of your life. And finally, the story goes on that you finally realize that, you know, up to now, Jesus has been a guest in my home. Guess who really owns this home? You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. You're not your own. You're bought with a price, the Bible says. And you finally surrendered him fully by giving him the deed to your life. Whatever, Lord. Use this, this heart, this life, whatever. It's a great story. So there it is. And there's a kid's version. There's not a teenage version. But I think teenagers could write one that's apropos to them, following the same format. It's surrendering your heart to Jesus by the Holy Spirit, filling you up, and the second command about the Holy Spirit to adjust to him is, do not grieve this Holy Spirit of God with whom you're sealed for the day of redemption, Hebrews 4.30. Grieved? You mean the Holy Spirit can be grieved? Yes, he has emotions. And what does grief feel like? Those of you who have lost a loved one know what grief feels like, don't you? There's a loss. I can't hear their voice. And indeed, I know some dear friends who have lost loved ones, and the thing they miss most is hearing their voice. If I could just hear their voice one more time. We don't hear the Spirit's voice because we've grieved Him. It's a sadness and loss that came over the Holy Spirit who resides inside of you, and He's hurt. Do you have the Holy Spirit grieving inside of your life right now? It'll manifest itself in all kinds of ways, physically, emotionally, and certainly spiritually. Sin breaks our fellowship with God. We grieve the Spirit when we harden our hearts 
with self-deception and disobedience, as Hebrews 3.13 tells us, but encourage one another daily so that you may not harden, be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And we do get ourselves in little bubbles where we talk with people who agree with us, and we start, and yet, what does the Bible say? Breaks that bubble and brings the Holy Spirit back into that relationship. Don't harden your hearts today if you hear His voice, the Bible says. Then the third command for us to adjust to the Holy Spirit, we can hear Jesus' voice, is 1 Thessalonians 5.19. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Man, I got heartburn. No, not that kind of burn. But this, this energy there, this, this passion, this intense, I, I want to know you, Lord. I love you, Lord, that I know you in the fellowship of your sufferings, even that, and the power of your resurrection. And the Holy Spirit is like a burning engine, prompting, guiding, speaking, empowering, leading, teaching. But if you put out the Spirit's fire, you take the ember away and put it over there until finally you don't hear His voice anymore. It's like a hand that's been calloused by so much use. You can't feel when the pen pricks. You've got all those calluses because you've hardened your heart to the Holy Spirit. Oh, that we might have a sensitive heart to the Spirit of God. That when we sing these songs, we would hear the words and what it's saying and praise Him for them, regardless of the tune. Did you hear the words that were sung this morning? <sighs> he burns in our heart to cause us to be a witness, to be kind to somebody, to reach out to them, to share whatever you have. You see somebody in need. And the fourth command that we need to memorize and know and apply in our lives is Galatians 5.16. So I say, live by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature. A couple of powerful things in this one verse. It's a powerful promise. If you want to overcome sin in your life that keeps handling you, then your focus should be on the Holy Spirit of God. When it says walk, actually the word is to walk around Him, you know, everywhere you go. You're doing it by reliance on the Holy Spirit of God. Rely on the Holy Spirit, and I guarantee you that that thing that's conquered your life over these years will not be so tempting, will not have power over you. Let no evil come into my dreams, Fernando Ortega sings. Anxious thoughts, they find me and surround me and they bind me. Not when the Holy Spirit's there. Total reliance. Then gratify the desires of the sinful nature. You know what the sinful nature is? You should because everyone has one. You have a sinful nature. Even when you're born again, it's still there. I'll tell you why. You inherited this sinful nature when Adam fell. That's in our DNA. Thank you, Adam, for that wonderful gift. The Holy Spirit clearly, repeatedly states that we have a sinful nature in our souls and our spirits. Our sinful nature in the Bible is called the flesh, not the physical flesh, but the body, the old nature, the old self, the body of sin, the old man, or sin with a capital letter. So when you read Romans 6, 7, and 8, you begin to see that Paul struggles with this old nature and realizes that it's the Holy Spirit that sets me free. This tendency to sin is what the sin nature is. And we receive it when Adam sinned. A.W. Tozier calls it the fi tough, fibrous root. 
in our hearts. Boy, I'll tell you, I've been, we moved into this uh, new house, and the neighbor next door to us has a, had a 40 to 50 foot or five story tree. I don't know what kind it was. I called it the devil tree because there were soft wood, the limbs would break off, almost fall on us, but it would grow so rapidly that it sent roots under their fence, under the neighbor's fence, and these roots started popping up trees in our yard. So I'm going to take care of that. And I have pictures, but I won't show you and bore you with them right now. But I start digging up one little tree, and you know what? I pull up a, a root that's from here to back there at, uh, to Judy, that big around. And I start digging more, and I find more and more roots, and I'm saying, this is what Tozier meant by the fibrous root. You know, people say that racism is systemic. Well, no, racism is a fruit. The sin nature is systemic. That's what causes people to be prejudiced and racist, is our sin nature. And everybody has it. Let me go on and talk about this more. Now, Tozier said this, there, there is a tough, fibrous root of selfishness within our hearts. When fibrous root of fallen life whose nature is to possess Always to possess. It covets things with a deep and fierce passion. The pronouns my and mine look innocent enough in print, but their constant and universal rule is significant. They express the real nature of the endemic nature better than a thousand volumes of theology could do. They are verbal symptoms of our deep disease. This is my house. This is my car. This is my body, right? You've heard that around? Okay. This is my church. That's possessing. Whose church is it? Who owns everything? God, not us. So, Christians, you know we have a civil war going on inside of us. We are walking civil wars. We've got the Holy Spirit inside of us, and we've got the sin nature. Not sitting on our shoulders like little devils and an angel, but inside of us. The Spirit lives. We're the temple of God. But the sin nature is what Satan uses to entice, and, and the world allures us. And we need to stand up against that. And if you want to see what that is, it says in Galatians 5.17, For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. You know all this stuff I'm telling you. Why don't you do it? Just do it. <laughs> because there's a, there's a battle going on inside of you. I missed that one. Here we go with Galatians. There we go. Contrary. Did you know that? You wake up in the morning, you lay in bed at night, there's a battle going on. Shall I watch that pornography? Or shall I not? Shall I keep talking about this person maliciously? Or shall I not? I know I shouldn't, but you know, gossip's like a sweet morsel that goes down to my heart. So we have a battle, and I am encouraging you to rely on the Holy Spirit so you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. He said, listen to the Apostle Paul's testimony about the battle inside of him. And he was born again when he wrote this. He was an apostle. In Romans 7, 14 to 15, we know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a, sin, a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do for what I want to do. I do not do and what I hate, I do. And I do not do what I want to do. I agree that the law is good as it is. It's no longer I myself who do it. But it is sin, the sin nature living in me. I know that nothing good lives in my sin nature. That is my sinful nature. For I, I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do not do is, is not the good I want to do, but the, no, the evil I do not want to do, that I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it's no longer I who do it, but the sin living inside in me that does it. 
So I find this law at work in me, verse 21, when I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law, but I see another law at work in my members of my body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner to the law of sin, working within my members. What a wretched man I am! Who will deliver me from this body of death? Our sin nature is like a wild elephant. And our minds are like a rider trying to control that wild elephant. Guess who's going to win that battle? You need someone to control that elephant, and it's called the Spirit of God. When we try to be good enough in our own strength, it's like we're trying to ride and control an elephant. We cannot control our sinful nature. Only by allowing the Holy Spirit to live in us can we enjoy the abundant life Christ promised. And here's what I see when I look at the news and I read the papers and I see what's going on in this crazy world. Why do people act like this? Why are they doing these evil things? They have the sinful nature and let it run loose and wild. In Galatians 5, 19-21, the acts of the sinful nature are obvious. Sexual immorality. Is that obvious today? Impurity and debauchery. I think they're finding that some of these Hollywood moguls live like this, right? Jerry Epstein, there we go. Idolatry and witchcraft, that is the work of the, of the devil, the flesh. Hatred, you hate somebody, you got a sinful nature that's out of control. Discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. I warn you as I did before that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. You've missed God's best for you, his abundant life. You have a sinful nature that fights the Holy Spirit inside of you, and you need the Holy Spirit to speak to you, to empower you. And so Satan attacks us, the world allures us. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit, and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So where would you want to focus your life and attention? The Spirit of God. What's He say to me? And that's how we overcome the sinful nature. In Romans 7, 25, 8 through 5, says, Thanks be to God. Who's going to deliver me from this wretched man that I am? Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit of life has set me free from the law of sin and death. I'm free. I don't have to make this sin anymore. For what the law was powerless to do and that is weakened by sinful nature, God did. Isn't that a great promise? By sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful man to be a sin offering so that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the sinful nature but according to the Spirit. That's Romans 8. Oh my goodness, that's so powerful. And then verse 5, it says, those who live according to the sinful nature have their mind set on what that nature desires, but those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their mind set on what the Spirit desires. What is your mind set on? What I want, what's mine, or Jesus, what do you want? Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do with my life now that I'm retired? It's my retirement. No, it's not, Mike. I'm talking to myself, okay? That's why I'm here. <sighs> When we listen to the Spirit of God, this is what the Spirit of Jesus produces in us. Here's the alternative to the works of the flesh is the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace and patience 
and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and, and self-control. I would call that a pretty good life. No matter what you have or don't have, this is the product of the fellowship of, of abiding in Jesus and Jesus and us, John 15. If you abide in me, you will bear much fruit, for apart from me you can do zero. Let's not be a church that does zero. Let's abide in Christ. Let the Holy Spirit indwell you richly. Our church needs to open the door. As I said, Revelation 3.20 is written to the local church. And it begins one person at a time. It's written to us. Each church opens the door to, to Jesus coming in when there are Christians that are opening their hearts to the Spirit of God and hearing His voice. That's every one of you. Everyone out there in, in the, watching as well. How does a church get so out of touch with Jesus? My and mine. And Jesus, Jesus. Not a might would I withhold. It's mine. There's the battle. So I'm going back to where I started. Purpose answers the why question. Why do we exist to glorify God? Mission goes back to the uh, what question. Our mission is to make disciples. And vision answers the where question. Lord, where is Hillsborough First Baptist Church heading? What do you want us to do? Tune my heart to sing your praise. And we're in tune with the Lord. Then we'll be unified together. So forth. What is your vision? Here's the question this morning. What is your vision, Lord, for Hillsborough First Baptist Church? Lord, how can our church follow your directions? Ask Him and listen. Come and pray together with us on the 24th to keep that going so we encourage one another daily so we not be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Let's bow and pray. Father, for this reason I kneel before you from whom the whole family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of the glorious riches of your grace you may strengthen us with your power through the Spirit in our inner beings so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to know how wide and how long and how deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that we may be filled to the full measure of fullness of God, and now to him who is able to work within us to be glory in the church, and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. We stand and worship the Lord. And before we sing, I just want to pronounce, please stand with me. Pronounce a benediction upon you, please. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face to you and give you peace as we go. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.